Welcome to the Your Own Medicine podcast. Thank you for listening. My name is Callie Klug and I am a yoga teacher and somatic practitioner in Southern California. A Your Own Medicine podcast was really created with this idea and this intention of bringing knowledge to you to access the medicine within you and within your own body. So thank you for listening. Let's go. All right. Hi, Nick. Thanks Hello. for joining me. So Nick is known as the people displeaser on TikTok and Instagram. Um, and I'm just going to get right into it. So you yeah. always start your videos with, if you're new here, I'm a recovered people pleaser and former alcoholic. I help people beat both. So mm-hmm. that's a great, I love that tag. So can you tell us a little bit of what is behind that tag? Like, what is the story behind all of that? Well, I had, uh, I think, you know, that kind of dives it a bit into the addiction narrative, uh, which is fine. I'm happy to do it. Just um, a bit of a, you know, long-winded story, so I'll try and abbreviate it as best I can. But um, I had grown up in a, in a pretty toxic household, um, and life for me, it's interesting, you know, when I grew up, you know, you grew up in a, in a toxic place, in a toxic house, and you don't know it. Um, and it was because I had buried some pretty awful traumas that um, had happened to me. And I'm not talking about, you know, things like my, my dad wasn't very nice to me. It was like pretty awful shit. And um, I had lived my entire life, really, you know, up until about the age of 30, where I was pretty comfortable with who I was. Um, but I, I never really could, you know, I couldn't figure out what was missing. Um, and that, that was going on for me for years, um, you know. 29 years of it where I would think, you know, I'm doing, I'm successful. I, I had thriving in my work. I was making six figures and life was, you know, for all practical purposes, was very good. Right. Um, I had the house, I had the cars and I just couldn't figure out why, well, you know, 29 and all of these memories and things start to come up from family and, you know, my life kind of exploded. Well, that, that kicked off me spinning out pretty bad. So I started drinking really heavily. Um, and, you know, using some drugs and doing all the things that you do when you spin out, you don't want to, right? Just trying to find something to feel better. So that really was what happened. Well, that all kind of spun me into a divorce. And at that point, uh, I'd, I had made the decision that I didn't know how to meet women anymore. So I went about the task of learning how to do that academically and became what is known as a pickup artist, which was really an unfortunate time in my life. Um, I wore, I wore makeup, um, Yikes. Anyway, um, <laughs> so I, uh, I had like all the, the flashy clothes and the, and the things. And I started to realize that because I'd been in sales my whole life, I started to notice that what we were doing was just teaching a sales approach to guys. Right? We're teaching them how to get what they want from other people. And I'm like, wow, that, at first, that doesn't feel really good as, as something that I, I'm now teaching and practicing. Um, and then second, I, I looked at the psychology of it really just so I came up with the idea that maybe rather than teaching guys what to say teach them how to be and I came around to the idea and went to coaching school and that's how I became coach um, through all of this well you fast forward you know in through separate iterations so I had you know that coaching company and then I founded another coaching company and then I left coaching altogether 2015 for a while um, 
and opened a bike bar company, which I don't know if you've ever seen a, one of these buses with pedals on it, you know, the 10 passenger bicycles where everybody gets drunk. Oh yeah, around. I've seen those. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I used to own, I used to own three of those. Um, and then through all the drinking and, and all the things that I did, that disintegrated, right? Um, so in 2018, I was sitting on a bar stool at 11 o'clock in the morning. Um, it was April 16th and it was weird because, you know, everything felt different that day. Like I've been doing the same thing every day for months and months and months on end. And um, I got to this place where I, I looked up, I remember it like it was yesterday. I looked up from my bar stool. I just kind of sitting there drinking my vodka soda for a third of the day um, at 11 o'clock. And, um, and it was a double. So, you know, that's six shots in at, at 11 yeah. a.m. And I, I looked up and I remember thinking that everything kind of looked like a copy of a copy. Nothing seems oh. real anymore. And it was at that point that I had really, I felt like I was at the bottom of who I was. You know, I was, mm -hmm. I was worse than I had ever been. And I, um, I was sick. I was tired. Um, I just lost my company. I, um, really screwed my life up in a really big way. And I called my mom <laughs> sitting at a bar stool at 11 yeah, o'clock. As in the one morning. does I, when they have right, a problem, right? Call right. And I, and I called my mom and I said, Mom, I need you to sell everything I own. Um, I need you to call my apartment complex and tell them I'm going to be terminating my lease. And I need you to put me into a detox facility like today. And she did. And then, you know, through that, she then, you know, I was in there for three days. I, I blew 2.0 when I checked in, which is real, real high. Um, that was, means I was, my blood was 2% alcohol. Wow. Um, so I was legally dead. Um, and um, so it took three days for me to detox, like <laughs> to where I was at zero. My liver wow. couldn't process the, took three days. Um, and in that time, she found me a rehab center and, and I checked in uh, the following week. It would have been April, I guess I checked in on the 21st or the 27th of um, April in 2018. And then I did that and, and that began my sobriety journey. Oh. As I started the journey of that, I struggled really mightily. Like, you know, I just kind of kept falling down and just kept screwing it up. And, you know, I use screw up as a, as a gentle term, frankly. I mean, sobriety is a process for people. Um, and I think that's one of the things that people don't really understand is that mm -hmm. um, you don't just get sober and stay so sober. Um, you get sober and then you, you know, some people do. Don't get me wrong. Some people just get it and they're done with it. And that's the end of it but most people don't. Um, so yeah. you have these lapses, right? But the, what I was noticing was that I was unhappy no matter how sober I was. And after about four days, you're no, I mean, you're as sober as you're going to be. Mm -hmm. um, but I was still miserable, like all the time. And so, you know, I've been a coach for years at this point and I was, um, and I was making really good money again. And like, everything was kind of back to where it was in 2009 what is happening? You know, why am I still sad? Mm. So that's when I started to look at my behavior and who I had become. And I started to recognize this people where I had been giving myself away in, in such high quantity and high volume that no one could keep up with it. So I was developing all these resentments around people not being able to keep up with my level of giving, which is absolutely absurd. 
right? Because I'm like a 10 giver. Um, and it's not that I needed to go from like a 10 to a one. I needed to go from like a 10 to an eight and then be able to ask for what I want, right? So when I started to figure that out, started to set boundaries and started to understand, you know, life as, as it were and, and to accept, you know, what I needed to be for me rather than for everyone else, that's when things really started to shift for me. That was in, um, say, 2019 is probably when that really, really caught. Um, and, you know, ever since then, I've been, you know, doing what I do. And I refounded my coaching company or this coaching company. I founded this one um, named after my kiddos, KC Enterprises or KC Incorporated rather, um, to, to help people. Um, and it's been very successful. It's, it's probably the most successful company I've ever owned. That's great. Yeah, I think it's something people resonate with on a, on a really deep level. And it's really interesting to the uh, connection between addiction and people pleasing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm in this program where I'm learning about somatic trauma therapy. So it's like trauma on the level of the body. Yeah. And they talk about how both well, people-pleasing is a form of addiction in the sense of like, anytime we have an addiction, we're reaching for something externally to create a sense of safety in our body that we currently lack. Right. And so they use the example of anything can be, like it could be food, it could be alcohol, it could be people-pleasing because you're stepping out of your, kind of stepping out of yourself to create what you think or what your body feels is safe. Yeah. by fawning or people pleasing to someone and trying to get a reaction right right so it's interesting to make sense you know yeah it's the i'd say the parallels between people pleasing and and substance abuse you know run a lot of different veins right so you have the externally validated you have the you know the missing pieces it's about who are you and who do you want to be vital part of sobriety and really it becomes the most important part when you quit people pleasing because you have to recognize that being sober or stopping people pleasing won't make you happy being happy is what causes you to be able to maintain those two activities yes um and it's just been a fascinating journey and i've enjoyed it a lot yeah that's awesome i I mean i would have rather not frankly (laughs) yeah (laughs) i mean seriously yeah right fascinating is like a good word because it's not you know I have this thing this written in my notes to just life experience like the difference between life experience and like book concepts education like I've seen some therapists or you know coaches that just frankly have not lived it and Mm -hmm. they give advice very like fluffy they're like well why don't you just do this and it's like wait a second um no you haven't been where I've been so I think your life experience is so like gives you this incredible perspective of like being down in the trenches and then coming out of that in like the ways with addiction and with people pleasing and everything so how do you think that helps your clients um in terms of in terms of how does my experience help my clients yeah your life experience um (laughs) well I couldn't be who I am without it which is, you know, again, I'd rather it not be what it is, right? So one mm-hmm. of the, I think the core tenant that, that helps most people where my experience is concerned, at least, is probably the idea of acceptance. I mean, I had to figure out that life 
and I, I had this conversation yesterday with a friend of mine, actually, life is hard. Like it, mm-hmm. It's not easy and it doesn't get easy. In fact, you know, there's a period of time where you hit your stride and that happens consistently throughout life. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're born shitting yourself and you die <laughs> shitting yourself. So that means you're, you know, your life is basically bookended by terror. And you have to understand that and, and be okay with it and just realize that, you know, you're going to get older, you're going to get smarter, you're going to get stronger. So life never really gets easier. You just get stronger. Um, and that makes it feel like it's easy. Yeah. Get better at it. Kind of like, um, you know, I, I say a lot in some, in, in a lot of my videos around addiction and uh, how to, you know, kind of reprogram yourself. You get good at anything you practice, including not practicing. The, mm-hmm. the damnable misery of life is that you're practicing every day. Yeah. So you just get better at doing shit if you allow that. And by getting better, it seems like, like if somebody looked at my life today, they're like, you got 150,000 followers on TikTok, you're successful, you're able to, you know, travel the globe. You know, I'm not wealthy, but I, you know, I'm fine. And, you know, by the way, if you ever want to know how to do that, it's don't own anything, sell everything, <laughs> don't have rent. That's the deal. Like I just, yeah. I, I move out of my place and then I put everything in storage. But mm-hmm. if you look at, you know, life, if somebody looked at my life today, they would say that I was, you know, lucky, or they would say it's privileged to say all of those things that people are wanting to say in the common narratives of today, which, yeah. you know, frankly, is just unrealistic. I mean, if you look at my TikTok videos from a year ago, they are garbage. <laughs> they are just fucking awful. Like there was, I was doing this, um, I was trying to write this. I've this always series. liked them, but I know, I know what you're talking about. So I had this series of, I was trying to put together called Just the Tip with Coach Nick. It was oh. just awful. Wait, that, I, that rings a bell. Um, it was like, I was trying so hard to find my voice. that It's a good hook, I, just right, saying. Just, just the Tip with Coach Nick. Mm-hmm. Um, and... <laughs> it's an idea so the it's like if you look at even in a year people wildly underestimate what they can accomplish in 12 months they also why actually i'm sorry that's true incorrect rather they wildly overestimate what can be done in 12 months Mm -hmm. and they wildly underestimate what they can accomplish in five or six years Mm. and the and if you look at the gauge for time like a client of mine currently is like I, i need to exit one thing and do another thing and i need to have that done 36 months okay that's doable as long as we know that's the time right so it's just I I think the experience that I've had in my life um through addiction and through trauma and suffering and all those things is really that experience is what's given me enough broad knowledge of living and how to you know kind of reprogram myself to be a coach it's also worth saying that I'm extremely well trained as a um, you know, I had two of the best coaching people or two of the best coaching instructors in the world trained for years. Um, mm. It was, you know, I've had more coaching training than most people will ever have in their life. Well, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, that, that's awesome. Um, kind of going back to, to what you said earlier when you were describing your story, you mentioned boundaries and you said mm-hmm. it really casually. You're like, yeah, you know, I started implementing boundaries and... <laughs> And I, I feel like there's so much behind that. And at least in my experience, there's a sure. shit ton behind 
having the ability to set them and then also the backlash that comes with it. So kind of yeah. going, opening that up a little in one of uh, your pinned videos on your TikTok, you say regarding boundaries, would you rather experience a high level of discomfort for 30 seconds or a mid-level of discomfort for the rest of your life? So can you tell me more about that? So, so first I want to clarify my position on boundaries because I think a lot of people misunderstand me when I post they think I'm saying easy um, boundaries are one of the hardest things you'll ever learn to do because boundaries don't have anything to do with anything so mm-hmm. people pleasers don't understand boundaries because they think when they, they think it's an outward exercise and really it's not so your boundaries are internal processes that you have to understand and deliver so the next part of that is you have to understand what your triggers are, okay? Because your triggers are no one else's responsibility either, okay? So there's the, I think the concept of boundaries has been misconstrued that it's like this magic bullet for the werewolf of people mm-hmm. that suck. And it's not, right? Yeah. I have this fascinating experience. I have a lot of healthy friendships that have no boundaries that have been expressed because healthy people generally don't overstep your boundaries any far yeah weird how that works mm-hmm. right so when i have a constant boundary violator in my life i don't look to set boundaries with them i look to set the frame with them which is how much of them i'm and that's one of the bigger problems is that like let's say you have a narcissistic and she says the narcissistic things. And you're like, mom, when you do that, it makes me really unhappy. I'm going to leave the conversation. And then you leave the conversation and then she does it again and again. At what point do you say, you fucking suck and I'm just not going to hang out with you? Yeah, I, I love that point because I do feel like, I see it a lot on TikTok too, especially. People are like setting boundaries. And like you said, it's like this idea of like a bullet of like, well, I'm going to, change this person and make them understand me and they're gonna care and and if they don't I'm out of here and it's like the way that you're approaching it I resonate with so much more because I just from experience as well like you said if you have someone that's chronically overstepping or chronically whatever right chances are like they're their own person like in there just because you all of a sudden feel a certain way about it they're not going to change. So it's like, instead limiting the dosage of the person. Right. I love that. So, yeah. And it's, if you look at, (laughs) if you look at addiction too, if you look at like, and I don't say this for things like heroin, if you're using heroin, you need to stop. Right. But if you're like, alcoholism is a great example here. We have a socially acceptable, you know, medium for, you know, drug use essentially. Well, mm-hmm. it's the same thing with people as it is with alcohol. You have to practice doing less, right? If you actively practice drinking less, you will eventually drink none, right? If you actively practice setting boundaries and then enforcing them, the eventuality, you will have to enforce none because mm-hmm. the people that are within your life will respect you, right? So boundaries are about also, you know, more than this communication effort where you go, this is my boundary. God damn it, you're gonna you're gonna respect it rather than going at it from that petulant point of view. How do you show up? Right? 
Like, how are you showing up? In the if you're showing up like, okay, I'm going to be real timid, but I'm going to try and set boundaries. That's, gonna, that's a good place to start. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you violate one of my boundaries now, it's not a conversation, right? Because I've already told you who I am, right? I, mm -hmm. I dealt with this the other day with somebody that just can't get past who I used to be. They mm. love to throw that shit in. Mm -hmm. Oh, you were a drunk and you were the laughing stuff wow. and this and that. And, the, and I finally just said, you know, you're right. I was. But see, the thing is, is you don't know me. After one year, my body had completely recycled from a totally mm. into a totally person, right? So not only is my energy, not only are my needs, not only is my personality, but you don't have any room in life because you're just not valuable. Delete block. Love it. And that's, that's how I handle and process most of my, you know, boundary gaps. Yeah, I love and that. I, I actually had a question. I told you I was recording live. Yeah, yeah. Somebody, asked sure. me, somebody said, um, I've tried communicating. I've tried distancing. What else do you suggest? Mm. Okay, here's how you do it. Stop talking. to them. Right? Yeah. If somebody is not listening to what you're saying, stop saying it. Mm -hmm. Until you find people that will listen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a tough pill to swallow because you're essentially with that, you're coming to the conclusion that it's, they don't care enough to change. And like, also, I feel like I've come to this in my own journey of like, who am I to impose how this person should be? Like, that's not respecting them either. Not saying they're respecting me, but it's like, you know, it's, it's better for them. It's more respectful to them, more respectful to me. To right. just say we are just not on the same page and right. leave or cut off or whatever, you know. Recognizing who you are and are not compatible with is such a valuable mm. component of life because if you don't figure that out, then you're constantly trying to be liked. You know. And if you're liked by everyone, then you're cared for by Yeah. Going a step deeper into the boundary chat too, you have a video where you actually do steps to setting boundaries which I really love because the topic is so um it like even the word boundaries like we've just even touched on there's different like, definitions of it right. in terms of like practice and application so you have a video where you say step one realization step two actualization do you mind going deeper into that actual process of like step one two three of setting boundaries I think uh, I can go. I can go deeper into probably steps one and two without getting too far into the rabbit hole. Okay. Um, um, so in terms of boundaries, when I talk about the realization of, um, most people have this kind of misconception around boundaries that that it's an external process or a list of rules or you know do's and don'ts. Well, in some regard, that's true. That's more your bill of rights than your boundaries. Um, and if you haven't written your own personal bill of rights, it's one of my favorite exercises for people to do is to write down what's important to them and how it's to be treated, because that's where, that's where our boundaries come from, through our values. But if you look at realization through the emotional intelligence, you start to notice what bothers you, doesn't. So your mind, your body, and your emotions all function in concert when you look at emotional 
intelligence. So emotions being, you know, um, you know, the loose definition is to move. And in intelligence or intellect is known as basically to choose. So what is emotional intelligence? It's to choose how you move, right? So if you function in that reality and you, you say, okay, this is how I choose to move. This is how I choose to be or show up. What does it make me feel when these things happen? Well, for me, so as an example, like when somebody violates a boundary, feelings get me involved in something. I have two questions I ask myself. First is, is this a trigger? And if it's a trigger, then it's me. Okay. If it's so, you know, <laughs> it was interesting. I felt very triggered by that conversation I had with what I thought was a friend of mine. And he's mm -hmm. really pushing on my old self. Yeah, totally. It really true. It made me upset. And I, you know, I thought about it all day and I'm ruminating on the conversation. Oh, wait a minute. What is this? What is it that I need? What is this pointing at? Right. So that's how you deal with a trigger. But when you think about a boundary, is, that's a value. Okay? And there's lots of kinds of boundaries. So I'm talking specifically of the emotional value systems. Like, uh, I, I obviously have the boundary, like, don't hit me, don't push me, don't touch mm -hmm. me. Like, those are, those are boundaries as well. But like mm -hmm. in emotional value systems, they're a little bit wonkier because you have to yeah. be able to miss them. So for me, when I get nervous or I feel upset, it happens for me like right now. Right. Um, the interesting thing about that is that the first time I kissed my girlfriend, it's the same place it showed up, right, was that nervousness and excitement. So it's really a, you know, how do you define what's happening? Um, but when I feel that in a negative context, I know that there's a boundary issue. Um, I now, after years of practice, can articulate that pretty quickly, right? Where I can say, hey, if you talk to me like that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop the conversation. Or, hey, you know, what you just said is offensive to me. I appreciate it. Say it again. Or, you know, things like that. In the beginning, in the realization step, you take that emotion keep track of it because just expressing a boundary while it, it can be very helpful like it can do a thing usually that's where we end up with people going i you know i, I set my boundaries and everybody thinks i'm an asshole well yeah because you didn't articulate it correctly right yeah <laughs> if you just go you piece of shit i don't like it when you do that and then you scream yeah. and yell and then you leave the yeah nobody's gonna like you mm -hmm. right um so realization is a strategy that prolongs the conversation a bit um, which I don't generally, this is like the first time I'll ever tell anyone to procrastinate, but you do have to procrastinate mm. slightly um, and say, okay, what was that? And then keep track. So the end of to your like day, form, right. form a, a opinion and a thought of like, why does that bother me? And right. when does this happen? When does this show up? Right. So you're, you're working on, you're like forming an emotional frame around what was that? So you can then know it going forward. And the best way to do that is write down the experience, how it felt. And then you say, okay, how would I express that? Write that down. Okay. What you're doing in that realization process is you are, first, you're allowing the boundary to be real. You're allowing the feeling to be real, right? I.e. realization. You're allowing that to happen. And then you're saying, okay, if I'm going to actualize the boundary, I put it into action. I'm then going to write it down and I'm going to do that for a period of like three to four weeks, right? Because what you need to do is learn to articulate your boundaries kindly with assertion. 
So you have to be assertive and kind. If you want to keep people. Yeah. If you want to blow your friendships out, that's also worth doing. Um, I just yeah. did that. I just, you know, literally within the last few days, said mm-hmm. to a, what I thought was a friend of mine to you know, fuck right off and don't talk to right. me. So, and, and I'm no stranger to any of it, you know? So like people say, well, what if it's my mother? Okay. I didn't talk to my dad for the nine years before he died. Like at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't talked to my sister in 15 years and I, and I probably won't not yeah. because, not because I'm hiding, but because she's not very nice to me. Mm-hmm. So, you know, at what point do I decide that she's not worth doing? Right. I think that's really interesting too, that you define the kind of two, well, I'm sure there's a million ways you could go about setting boundaries, but the two main ways that you articulated, either doing it in a way that's kind and clear, going through this process of identifying, okay, why does this bother me? How can I articulate this in a way that is well-received because this person's important to me and I want to keep them in my life? Or just saying, you know, we're really past the point where I actually don't care to have you in my life. Right. And I can tell you directly, fuck off. Or I can tell you, with that energy and different words to fuck off. Like maybe right. not straight out saying fuck off, but just saying, okay, we're done and block, right. you know? And I think there's a place for both. And unfortunately, sometimes that place is with family and that's fucking shitty. And there's a lot behind that in terms of like s- stigma. And I mean, I've gone through that myself. So um, how, I mean, I'm sure you support people in this process as well of you know Mm -hmm. cutting off family at times when it's necessary because sometimes it is to preserve your mental health um so what do you say to the stigma because I know I've received this a lot of well it's your mom what's your dad right um your family my favorite I said this once in a tiktok about a year and a half ago actually I think maybe a little less I don't know I was here in HB when I wrote it. Um, I was walking around in a grocery store and I, re- I made a recording. It said, blood is thicker than water, but it's not thicker than bullshit. Right. So- and realistically, if somebody's truly bad for your mental health, and I don't mean this in the sense that they're annoying, like everybody has an annoying parent. Okay. Every, like that's just part of it family yeah right that's just so and i'm not saying like every time your mom calls and pushes your boundaries a little bit you should just fucking blow her out that's yeah the feeling, right you have to be you have to be cognizant of behavior if they're generally better than they're than they're not then you know it's not worth blowing them out yeah because um, it's it's a big uh commitment right. yeah but, and as life change goes you, you almost have to recognize that that you know your boundaries will change over time too Mm. so some things that used to bother you might not bother you right um i have trigger words that used to bother me that no longer bother me you call me anything you want shit i know who i am right Mm. so when it's family though it's a it's a more challenging um because and especially around the holidays where you're trying to you know trying to do you and Boundaries, if they're done incorrectly, can border on selfishness and narcissism. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> it's this, there's a really fine line dance that you have to do. But if mm-hmm. somebody, no matter what value, you know, no matter who they are 
physically, whether it's, you know, blood relative or somebody you've known for years, if they're truly using you, truly being abusive to them, you know, they don't deserve your energy. Yeah. And you have to accept um, one of the hardest exception points in our lives for a lot of people is that our parents don't love us nearly as much as we think. they do. Right. And it's a really challenging realization. And then when you have the, you know, the exceptional where the parents really didn't love you at all, then you have to be realistic about that. And that sucks. That's just Mm -hmm. no fun for anybody. And it's just one of those life things that you got to get through. Um, You know, you can decide to continue to communicate with toxic people if you like. Um, You know, you set hard boundaries and then you're annoyed and then you burn up your energy and like, yikes. I Mm -hmm. I just choose not to live that way. Uh, I mean, I'm weird though. I mean, admittedly, I'm an outlier. For a year. Um, Wait, can you say that again? It kind of cut out. I said, I, I'm a bit of an outlier. I mean, I sold everything I owned and moved to Costa Rica. Oh. I went to Costa Rica and I didn't look back for a year. And basically people are like, you coming back? And I'm like, fuck yourself. So, <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm a little strange in that regard, but, um, and I'm doing it again, which is, you know, even stranger. So mm-hmm. it's, I don't know. I think I was so fundamentally broken by my family system that I just, I, I think I have a very different gauge for that. So I, I'm very careful with people in that way because I don't think everybody experiences abuse at the yeah. same level. And I, I don't, I hate to say that abuse is subjective as well, but it is. Um, mm-hmm. And when you think about, you know, somebody will tell me that they, you know, they had a, a particularly, you know, traumatic childhood. I, I generally try not to gauge that against my own experience because my, mm-hmm. my own experience is pretty bad. Um, and trauma is trauma, but like, I think that there is some abuse that's worse than others. And I think you need to, yeah, I think in some regard, we have to agree on that. You know, yeah. It's, yeah. It's not everything, not everybody is a narcissist. And I think, you know, regardless of the narratives on TikTok and Instagram and everything else, not every mother is a narcissist, not every father mm-hmm. is a narcissist. You know, not everybody's a fucking narcissist. Sometimes you just have really, really shitty boundaries or none at all. And it makes everybody around you look like they're a narcissist. Mm, Wow, yeah. Because they'll keep taking if you keep giving. That's how human beings operate. Mm. Right? So if you think everybody in your life is narcissistic, you are the common denominator. Oh, shit. That reminds me of just like in my own experience as I've set more boundaries, some people have fallen away and not been able to keep up with that. And that's fine. But some people have kind of like risen to the new standard. Right. And so it's interesting, like you're saying, like when you're in that position, you're just like, everyone's taking advantage of me. Like, first of all, maybe yes. I don't know what everyone's going through. Also, have you communicated what you wanted because I've totally been in that position where I'm like this person da 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 and it's like my boyfriend will go well did you tell them that you don't like that like no right. but they they should know right it's like no we can't read minds over no, here no there's this it's um it's funny I, I everybody thinks that and I went another one that I just went through is sort of in that vein where I was have you ever done this like where 
I don't know if you're in a relationship or whatever, or if yeah. you've been in one recently where like, so you're in the relationship and things are going great. And then like you, you do some cleaning around the house or you do something that's not normally oh, your thing. Not the cleaning. Right. So you're doing the thing that's not normally your thing to do. And you're showing up as kind of grouchy about it, but you're not trying to be passive aggressive. Have you ever done this? Right. Yeah. I mean, yesterday, literally cleaning out the fridge. Yes. Right. So you're showing up as this passive aggressive nightmare and you're not meaning to. And then you realize, so my girlfriend was like, are you trying to be passive aggressive? Because it was hurting her feelings. And I'm like, well, no, I'm not trying to be. And I'm like, but I am grouchy about this. So I'm probably showing up that way. And then it occurred to me that like, oh, I'm a former people pleaser. So what happens for me is I give and give and give. And then I, then I developed a resentment, right? She looked at me and just said, you know, if you just ask me to do shit, I'll do it. And I'm like, huh. Also, we have to ask for what we want. Yeah. Because people can't read our minds, right? So this is, you know, and some people would say, is that a boundary? Well, it is and it isn't, Mm -hmm. right? But expecting people to know, just know what you want is extremely toxic Mm -hmm. because it sets people up, it sets people up to fail. Yeah. I think being in a relationship is one of the best ways to learn that lesson too, because you're constantly reminded that you do not expect the same thing as someone else. No, no, no. You really can't expect other people to know how to treat you. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, I, I said to my girlfriend, if, if this is the, if, if she and I break up, this is my last relationship. Like I will, I will swear a vow of celibacy. I'm simply just not good at this. But the weird thing is that I'm having a tremendous amount of success with her in my life because I'm doing shit like setting boundaries and having tough conversations. Yeah. She sounds like she has the ability to do that too. And mm-hmm. like she can read you well too, which is helpful oh, yeah. sometimes when you're not, I mean, obviously perfect world, we're all able to verbalize what we need, but sometimes oh. when we come from these paths of people pleasing, it's so ingrained that. Yeah, I mean, literally, I'm thinking of cleaning the fridge yesterday, like <laughs> opening the door. <laughs> Ray, super pissed, and you're like, yeah. Right. And he's, they're looking at you like, yeah. What? He's like, do you need something? Like, right. I'm like, no, it's like, fine. I'm everything's fine. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, so when you you realize that you can, if you're in a healthy relationship, you can just say, hey, would you clean the fridge out? Yes. Right. But see, I was having that moment internally where I'm going, well, I shouldn't even have to fucking ask you because yeah. I was being a baby. I shouldn't even have to ask you. But I, it's like, right. yeah, but, but we right. have to because we, we're not mind readers and we've all grown <laughs> up in different. Um, we got to learn to be authentic who we are, you know? And yeah. um, if I had just said, hey, you know, would you fold the laundry? Would have been the end of it. Yeah. Right. And then I could have gone on with the rest. Of the yeah. Right. No, but no, what I needed to do at that point was act like a selfish little baby. Right. Yeah. And I needed to do it. And then I needed to frustrate myself. So I couldn't do anything else. It's nice that she came and interrupted that thought process though. Cause that's something oh, yeah. for me that I wouldn't, I would go through and just not even notice, but that interruption is so helpful. Cause it's like, Oh wait. Yeah. I actually was thinking that you thought blah, 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 blah. Right. You know, well, <laughs> we have, both of us are traumatized as shit. So the, our lives together are funny because like we have conversations that we don't know that we're having Yeah. where like, 
I'll say a thing and I'll look at her face and I'll know that it read wrong. Like I'll know that whatever it was came out entirely incorrect. And I can say to her, what did you just hear me say? Mm, oh, wow. And, yeah. And she'll say, it'll, it'll, now we're at a place where it's funny. Like it's a joke. I'll go, what awful thing did you just hear me say? And she'll go, yeah. and she'll tell me and I'll go, not what I said. It was like, so in that moment I could have said, Hey, would you do the laundry? And these, and it's little shit like this where we'll go yeah. like, Hey, did you do the laundry? And she'll and she'll hear you lazy piece of shit. Why didn't you do the laundry? And I'll go, what did you just hear me say? And she'll go, you lazy piece of shit. Why didn't you just do the laundry? And I went, no. What I said was, would you do the laundry? Yeah. Right. And so we've developed this funny kind of boundary system around communication. That it's funny that two you know traumatized people can create synergy in the way that. Yeah. And I be think- as successful in a relationship. It, it, that is actually really amazing um and having that sense of humor around like okay babe what did you just hear me say I think it definitely helps bring a lightness to it when right your frontal cortex goes offline and you're like 10 years old again shaking right. you know it like brings you back to that state um going in kind of a different direction now too you mentioned just a moment ago how you were filming in this grocery store filming Mm -hmm. and you film everywhere in Huntington and even yesterday I was scrolling through your feed and you're like on Main Street which is like such a packed area and you're just like talking into your phone I have trouble even with my boyfriend walks into the room while I'm filming like get out don't look at me so how do you I mean I'm curious if this is like a part of your work too of like taking up space unapologetically can you just talk a little bit on that okay first I record a lot better walking around Mm. and the reason I started doing it is because I hate recording in front of my girlfriend okay so with you okay okay. um I have recently like I've been trying to get out of my head and get out of my own way so I can record in my apartment (laughs) Because like today, I don't know if you know this, but here in Huntington Beach, we have like a thunderstorm warning up to and including tornadoes. So oh, I'm I know. I didn't know gonna, that. Right. I'm not going to be out walking around um, today in the rain. So I yeah. have to make content. Um, part of why I said, hey, I'm just going to go live while we do this because I'll break this up into nine minute video. But yeah, when you think about taking up space, everybody takes up space right? and you don't give a shit when other people. So what do you, what makes you on, what on earth makes anybody think that anybody cares? What they're doing? Most people don't even know what they're doing. Right. Mm-hmm. So if we recognize that most people by and large don't give a shit, um, whether you are or are not on the planet, like, so if you think about it realistically, there's 7 billion people on the planet, less than one, one millionth of a percentage point of those people know you're even alive. Well, yeah. They don't know true. your name. They don't live. They don't know your story. They don't, they don't even know you exist. So you are infinitesimal, even in an area as big as it could be. So when I walk around and I make videos, I, I actively look around to see if anybody's paying attention and they never are. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think part of being unapologetic about being a coach and, you know, unapologetic about being a content creator is it makes it more fun. You know, I'm waiting for the day that somebody walks up to me on the beach and says, are you the people displeaser? Like, uh, I'll be stoked. Mm-hmm. But until that day, you know. That's never that happened. I, 
No, it hasn't happened yet. Oh, 150,000 wow. followers, and um, I think at this point I'm north of 10 million views. So 10 million people have seen my face. Um, walking around HB. Just walking, walking around about HB. people pleasing. Right, and it'll be uh, so if you and if you scroll through those videos, the further you go back, the more you'll notice that I'm in different locations. Um, so I have some from Panama, I have some from Argentina, I have some from Uruguay, I have some from Colombia, all the places I go, I film. Um, yeah. So why don't you take the next, because we have about 10 minutes left. How about you tell mm-hmm. us a little bit about your trip and where we're going to see. So like we've seen your face in HB and Huntington Beach. For anyone listening, right. that's where I live too, which is really cool because we both live like super close to each other. Yeah, it's but you're going to start to be popping up in different places. So can you tell me a little um, bit about that? You know, I don't want to ruin the surprise. I'm kidding. Um, so oh, okay. I, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I'm happy to tell you. So um, it was, I guess it was a couple of weeks ago, we had started to plan this trip to Peru. Um, and Peru has it's been on our bucket list, or not a bucket list rather, but just on our list for the last year and a half. And for some reason or another, we just kept missing it. <laughs> We'd, we'd reschedule or like it just kept not happening mm-hmm. um and then it's a little chillier in california presently and we as you know um and lima is almost identical in terms of um latitude longitude just on the southern side of the of the equator to california so we we're like it'll be nice and warm there in january so we'll go knock that out right we're gonna go to machu picchu do all these things. well we had been traveling for so I was like, all right, well, we know how to do it. Mm-hmm. So we were just going to do it and then come back. Well, the problem then became, well, we want to go to Asia. Like Tokyo is supposed to be beautiful. So we had already planned the trip. So this all happened. Like Tokyo is supposed to be Okay, so what do we do? Oh. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, well, let's go see the cherry blossoms in Tokyo. We'll go for like a month. And then I'm looking at it, looking at her, and she's looking at me. And I'm like, but now we're spending $4,500 rent which we don't have and travel. We, we can do one, but we can't do both. Mm-hmm. If we're going to do it this way, then we need, you know, if we're going to do it to go and come back, we need to postpone Tokyo until next year. Right. Uh, because, you know, we have like one pretty solid vacation at a time. The trick to living on the road is not doing it traditionally. People don't understand that travel isn't expensive as long as your other life isn't expensive. Yeah. So for instance, like my apartment here is expensive. Apartment in Denver was very expensive. Everywhere, you know, everywhere in apartments. So when I decided I wanted to travel, I just sold everything I own. What I couldn't sell, I put into a storage unit for like 50 bucks a month. Mm-hmm. And then I and then I park my car and then I lower my insurance. So all of my bills go down to, you know, net almost zero in the u.s so now it costs me what it would cost well actually it cost me about half of what it would cost to live overseas than it does in the u.s so my run rate in california is literally cut in half when i get to thailand mm. and i could be living in a five-star resort that's not a joke like yeah i could be spending 700 bucks a month where you know my rent is you know one and a half times that here mm-hmm. um Totally. It's so expensive. So, right. For just a room, like I'm in a room. Okay. Um, Whereas in Thailand, I can spend 700 bucks and be staying at a five-star resort yet Mm -hmm. for a month. 
right? And food over there, you don't cook, so you don't need a kitchen, right? You just yeah, because it's cheap to eat out, cheap and it's fun, and, mm-hmm. and all those. Things. So when you look at you know, how I'm doing, but it, it'll be uh, so Lima and then Tokyo and then Thailand, Vietnam, Indonesia, so Bali for uh, a chunk of time to do some surfing. I love to surf, but I don't surf in Huntington Beach because I don't like to be cold um yeah and the surfers are kind of mean here yeah the surfers are kind of jerks here and (laughs) um and i don't like to be cold so i don't and then um from bali we go to the philippines for christmas because that's supposed to be one of the coolest things ever um apparently the the filipino culture is specifically you know in um in their country unbelievably christmas oriented they are like i went to the philippines in october one year and they had their entire airport decked out in christmas like i was like what month is it it was like early october september yeah they love christmas it it turns out that christmas begins there in like september and then it goes all the way until almost february wow Um, like Like they love it yeah so we're gonna be there for christmas which is gonna be a lot of fun and then we go to tokyo um again um and we'll be there for new year's which will be a lot of fun so you'll see me you know recording all over the world again um coming to a theater near you and then after that Mm -hmm. um uh, the plan is to probably return to the U.S. Um, by then, my my oldest boy will be um, getting ready to need a car, um, so that's a thing. Be a part of. Um, you know, the the hard thing about this kind of travel is I miss my family a lot. Yeah. Um, it's been a challenge. Do that. Mm-hmm. Um, the speaking of my boy, he just said hello to me. Oh. Um, so yes, I know, son, you're gonna you're gonna need a you're gonna need a car. Um, so, <laughs> um, well, that is so exciting, Nick, and I'm like really jealous and really excited to watch your videos as you walk around the streets in well, the Philippines and yeah, it should be fun and you know it's I'm grateful for the experiences that I get to have. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Well, kind of starting to wrap up now. Sure. Is there any final words or thoughts you'd like to share before we log off? I think the most important thing that I take away from the work that I do is you have to value who you are um, and not who you And that's been really pointed at me the last couple of years. The person mm-hmm. that I was and the person I'll be tomorrow will not be who I am today. Um, you change all the time. And the hardest thing about life, but also probably the most glorious, is that you can never unlearn and you can never go back. So once you see something for how it is, realize it, accept it, and do what you need to do to be okay. Because mm-hmm. life is very, very short. And I'm one that believes that the timeline is finite. Mm. and you get to do this once so make the best of it. you know we're the only creatures on earth that are sentient in, in the sense of self-awareness um we are given that by whatever power that be you know evolution or whatever you call god and if you suppose this is the last time then you don't take much from Don't take it for granted. Yeah. 
Well, thank you so much for joining me and thank you for your time. Thank you for having me. Hey, my friends, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I had such a fun time recording with Nick. Um, it's so crazy, too, because we live like a block, two couple streets down from each other in Huntington, and yet we met on TikTok. So funny how that works. Um if you, if this sounds like you, listen up. If you, first of all, resonate with the people-pleasing, and then also if you are a hyper-achieving woman who is ready to reclaim your right to embodied safety and liberated pleasure, and also learn how to regulate your nervous system and create more capacity for rest. If you are ready to let go of always being productive and pushing yourself until burnout, I found the secret. It is de-shaming rest and pleasure while creating a deep capacity in your body to receive. So I have a new program called Liberation, um, coming back to your softness. Liberation is a woman-only program to support you in moving from being burned out and chronically exhausted to moving towards embodied ease and rest. So through workshops focused on somatic practices and tantric embodiment and pleasure practices, very gentle, might I add, very, very, very gentle, um, you'll discover tools to support you in implementing small practices on a daily level. In liberation, you'll find a capacity that already exists within yourself to create a daily experience infused, 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 infused with more softness, ease, and bliss. So Liberation is a 10-week course. It is going to be absolutely freaking incredible. Um, really created from my own life experience of just growing up in a home where I had to be hypervigilant. And thus now, even when I am physically safe, emotionally safe, I still feel the need to be hypervigilant. And then also just very connected with that is pushing yourself until burnout, feeling like you have to hyperachieve and how like not even being familiar with the feeling of rest in the body or maybe even feeling like rest is actually unsafe or uncomfortable. So if your body, if this resonates with you in your body and like just notice even how it lands, if it's like, oh my gosh, yes, check out the program. Right now I have an early board, early board, early bird special going on about $100 off. Um, and then in a few weeks, it will go up to the full price. I have lots of payment plans. I really have it structured in a way to make it as accessible as possible. So if any of that sounds interesting to you, you can either check out the link in my bio or you can check out kaliklugyoga.com slash liberation launch for more information. That's all for today for the Your Own Medicine podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, these episodes do come out pretty sporadically, so if you'd like to be notified each time a new episode comes out, please subscribe on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Um, and you can always follow my journey along, which I always post when a new episode comes out on my social media, TikTok and Instagram, at Kelly Klugyoga. Yoga. And feel free to keep in touch. You can also check out my website at kaliklugyoga.com. Thanks for listening and see you next time.